Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Great to be with you guys. We're going to be in a few areas of Scripture. It's going to be John's Gospel, chapter 14 today, as we begin our five-part series through uh, for the week of Easter. How many of you are excited about Danny Gokey on the way? Um, And I'm super excited about that, but you should hear the choir. The choir is unbelievable. Um, I guarantee they're going to knock your socks off. Uh, Matthew chapter 21 as well. John 14, Matthew 21, Romans chapter 12, three areas of scripture. Once again, John 14, Matthew 21, Romans 12. We believe in the teaching and the preaching of God's word uh, as well that God will revive his church with the teaching of the word. And so we will dig deep into it today as we celebrate Palm Sunday. As you're turning to those areas of scripture, I want to let you know that our church for 10 days took a time to pray for the nation of Ukraine. God has provided an opportunity for us that we are looking forward to sending 25 of our women to Romania to be with 49 young mothers who have their small children and left their husbands husbands behind to fight the war in Ukraine, not knowing if they're alive or dead. On May 11th, we're going to be sending 25 of our women. My wife will be leading the team to minister to these 49 young women and their small children. And even if just to babysit and cry with and hug on, we're going to go and be there for them because we're Calvary Chapel South Bay. and We do everything in the name of Jesus. Now, there are only 25 spots and we need to know if you want to go this week. Now, I need to let you know and encourage you. Don't let the price of the $1,500 to less than $2,000 tag say, ah, I can't go. Because in the last service and the service before, someone walked up to me and someone walked up to Candace and said, two different people, I'd like to pay for someone's uh, airfare. So you trust the Lord if God's calling you to go. It's a woman's only trip, okay? We had a guy try to sign up. You cannot find your wife in Romania, okay? Um, So we're going to be ministering to Ukrainian refugees in Romania, and it's a women's only trip. Amen? Amen. Let's dig deep, but before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, today is the day that we celebrate the goodness of the Lord because you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we proclaim his resurrection every Sunday. Because this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, as we celebrate in your word, would you give us spiritual insight and revelation so that we can learn and live your word? It's in your name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. John chapter 14, I'm going to begin in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I am going to prepare a place for you. He's speaking to his disciples. And they are in the midst of their greatest moment of misery. In fact, I can say they are practically horrified. Jesus has told them, I'm leaving. Now, he's been very faithful to let them know over the course of time that he would be handed over to the Pharisees and that he would die and he would rise again. But they were struggling with this because they were not just losing their friend. They were losing their boss. They're losing their job. They had left everything to follow after Jesus Christ. They are losing their safety and losing their security. I mean, Jesus protected them from everything, even the Pharisees that would attack them. And whenever they were hungry, he would just turn five loaves and two fish into feeding 5,000 people. I mean, who would want Jesus to go away? Peter was so desperate not to lose the Lord Jesus. He said, listen, I'll lay my life down. I'm not letting you go away from me, not for just one moment. But in this moment of misery, he says to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. And this is the continued message of Jesus to his disciples in our moments of misery. Now, let me put this in Chet English. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, I got this. What are you worried about? I got this. And he gives them a word of encouragement, a word of comfort that says, we're going to soon be reunited. The problem is they didn't realize there was a death, a burial, and a resurrection in between the reuniting. They were struggling with something. They hadn't fully captured, you believe in God, believe in me. And what I want to do today as we begin our series I want to focus on that word, believe and me, and our response to it. But before we consider these two words I want us to focus on, I want to read it to you in King James Version. Now, some of you King James-only people, you just said, finally, he's teaching from the Bible. I know. I understand. My dad was a King James-only person as well, and he would only pray to God in King James English. And so when he would pray, it was even like, it had this James Earl Jones sound. He didn't sound like James Earl Jones, but all of a sudden, our father, thou art God, and we will love you. And I would always say at the end of his prayer, dad, do you know that God speaks Spanish? Like he, and Spanish doesn't have a King James version. So like, do you know that like he speaks all kinds of languages? He would always say to me, You speak to God the way that you want to speak to God, and I will honor God the way that I speak to him. My dad would always win. King James Version, here we go. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. The title of today's message is The Me and the Ye. The Me and the Ye. The Ye is us, we're the disciples. The me is Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do, we're going to find ourselves in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, and we're going to use the Palm Sunday experience to understand the me, 
Jesus the Christ. Turn there with me if you would. It's Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. Let's take a look at the me. His name is Jesus. Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them. Bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he'll send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on him, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest! When he'd come in Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It's Palm Sunday. And we believers call it Palm Sunday because in John chapter 12, verse 3, John lets us know that the branches that they gathered were palm branches and they waved the palm branches in the air. And because Christians are so creative, we called it Palm Sunday. So this is why it's called Palm Sunday. Now, many of you have been celebrating this your entire Christian experience And the story has become so familiar that today, I want you to purpose to do something. I want you to purpose to approach it carefully so as not to miss the mystery of the message that the Holy Spirit has for you. So let's take a look at how the Spirit presents me, the Jesus, the me, Jesus Christ, in this text. Number one, I want you to write it down because you're such great students of the Word of God. The me, Jesus, he knows all things. He knows all things. Someone say amen. He knows all things. He knows past. He knows present. He knows future at the same time because he's above time. He created time. He's the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end. So he doesn't live in time because he created time. Uh, Let's go to the book of Revelation. Listen carefully. You don't need to turn there. When John was writing the Revelation, he said, and I saw. He was living in God's future because God doesn't live in time. In fact, do you know that Daniel... Over 400 years prior to Palm Sunday, wrote the exact day, 173 days, 873,880 days from the time of Daniel's prophecy, Jesus would come marching into Jerusalem on that day. And do you know something? Because God knows all things, on 173,880 days, we celebrate Palm Sunday from Daniel's prophecy. Do you know why? God knows all things. He knows all things. It's why he knew the donkey would be there. Because he knows all things, he knows the future. Now, this should give us some confidence. 
This should give us confidence that God knows our future. And I'd like to use three very, very familiar people to help you understand the confidence you walk in because he knows all things. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and you know them well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story. There they are standing in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, and there's an idol, and Nebuchadnezzar says, you need to bow down. They said, we will not bow down. We'll light the fire. You can light that fire, Nebuchadnezzar. We ain't bowing down to the big bear. Sorry, that was a slip. We're not bowing down to the idol. We are going to worship our God. You can light the fire as hot as you want it, but we are not bowing down. Well, where do they get this confidence from? Over a hundred years prior to this moment, I need you to read what Isaiah wrote. Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah chapter 43, you'll see it on the screen. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Over a hundred years prior to this moment, Isaiah wrote to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't be afraid of the fire. God is with you. And what did Jesus do? He was true to his word and showed up in the fire. And they didn't even smell like smoke when they came up out of that fire. The only thing that burned were the ropes that were binding them. And though they passed through the fire, God was with them because he knew their name. Church, he knows all things. It's why it's so important that you read the Bible that was written 2,000, 4,000 years ago because God knows your name. And when he was writing the Bible, he was writing it for you so that when you have your devotions and you read that verse, he knows your name, he knows his word, and he wrote it so many years ago because he knows all things and knows exactly what you need today. Amen? He knows all things. Number two, I want you to write it down. He's got power over all things. It's Psalm chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. He has power. The me, Jesus Christ, has power over all things. Psalm chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. You've made him, speaking of Jesus prophetically, you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the fields, even this donkey in Matthew 21. Now, some of you are wondering, now, why would you read this? He has the power over, over all things. Well, I don't think you know donkeys. It's a pretty big deal when it comes to a cult. Let me explain. A cult, C-O-L-T, is a one-year-old donkey that has never been ridden. Now, that's important that you know that. And I thought to myself, if Jesus could ride a colt, so can I. So I went to a ranch, and they gave me a crossback donkey. It actually has a cross in it, so it's a Christian donkey. I thought to myself, how much harm could it do? <laughs> so I get on this colt, and something should have cued in my mind when the rancher went running the other direction. 
I hold on to the mane of this colt. And as I'm on this colt, this colt begins to buck me like this. And I'm like, ah, like holding on with all my life. I am not letting go. I'm not letting this one-year-old donkey defeat me. But then the donkey had an idea. It saw two trees. It ran straight through the two trees. A branch hit my forehead. I'm now on the ground. Now, this is a true story. The colt turned around, put its hoof out, and went, (laughs) it laughed at me. I got laughed at by a donkey. You should have seen the rancher. The rancher was hysterically laughing. He knew exactly that you can't ride a colt that's never been ridden before. Jesus can. He's got the power over all things. Don't tell Jesus he can't ride a colt when he can walk on water. Don't tell Jesus he can't ride a colt when he can take five loaves and two fish and turn them into feeding 5,000. Don't tell Jesus that he can't calm a storm and rebuke the wind and the waves and all of a sudden it's still. And don't look at a demon-possessed man and say there's no hope when there's Jesus involved in the picture. He's got the power over all things. That's why we can trust him. That's why we can trust him with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. We don't have the power. Jesus does. And all he asks us is to ask him. Let me give an example. I'm moving. The Lord has blessed us with our home in San Pedro. We're moving. And Zach, uh, my executive pastor, uh, Calvary Chapel's executive pastor now, is uh, his son was helping me move. And so I had a box about this big, and his son is three years old. So he has picked up this box, and he can't move. And so he kicks it down, and he starts to drag it. I'm thinking, okay, it's broke. Um, And then he puts it over to the side, and he goes like this, and he's trying to move, and he just can't move it. Three years old. He's doing everything he can to move. And he looks up at me, who's just standing there with him, and he says, go, go. Now, let me explain their first child couldn't say uncle, and Gogo came out. So they all call me Gogo. We're going to change the name when they turn 17. So he goes, Gogo, please help. And right when he said it, the Spirit spoke to me. You've asked me to give you L.A. Why don't you just ask me for help, and I'll give it to you? Everyone says it's impossible, but I've promised it to you. And I picked up that box, and he picked up the other side, and we began to walk, and the Spirit began to speak to me, just do it with me. I've got power over all things. Amen? Number three, I want you to see something about our Jesus. He has a perfect plan. The me, Jesus Christ, has a perfect plan. He knew exactly what to tell the disciples to do. He knew exactly where to tell them to go. He knew exactly what to tell them to say. And if they would simply follow the instructions, they would be successful. Because the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth. And he, number three, has a perfect plan. Paul The Apostle Paul, he trusted this. He trusted in the perfect plan of God. Uh, Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Keep your finger in Matthew 21. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. I want you to see this. 
Paul is concluding his message in Romans 12, and he says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12, 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul had come to a place in his life where he realized that if he would just lay his life down and allow God's will to take place in his life, that God's will is good, that God's will is pleasing, and that God's will is perfect. This is why we need to be changed and transformed. We don't think like God. The plans that we come up with, they're not that great. But the plans that God comes up with, they are absolutely perfect. Let me explain. See, the disciples, they were just ready to walk right into Jerusalem. They weren't thinking about God's plan. But God's plan was not that, they would, that Jesus would walk in. God's plan was that he would ride in on a donkey. Because Jesus has got God's kingdom in his mind. And God's kingdom goes about God's will and God's way to accomplish that will. Because if we go God's way and do God's will, we will see, just like the Apostle Paul, he's got a perfect plan. Number four, the me, Jesus Christ, he will glorify his father. He'll glorify his father. The statement of Jesus' life is found in John 17, 4. Listen carefully. I have glorified you on earth. This is Jesus talking. I have finished the work that you've given me to do. When each one of us take our last breath, this should be the statement that rolls off of our lips. I have glorified you. I did what you asked me to do. Because every one of you in here who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a job to do. Every one of you. And every one of you on your last breath should be able to say like Jesus, I did exactly what you called me to do. This was Jesus. He did everything God told him to do. And he only did what God told him to do. And Jesus has got the kingdom on his mind. And so the disciples want to walk right into Jerusalem. Jesus wants to fulfill God's word. And God's word said that he would ride in on a donkey. And so he did. He rides in on a donkey to accomplish glorifying the Lord. Church, God's spirit is inside of you. The Spirit of Jesus is inside of you who wants to glorify Jesus and glorify His Word. And when when you learn the Word and live the Word, you now have kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking. Now that you know the, the me, you know that He's got the power over all things. You know that he knows all things. You know that he has a perfect plan. You know that he will glorify his father and he'll accomplish his word in you. Now we need to learn about the ye. What's our response to the me? If he's all of these things, we need to learn about what our response should be because he is the me. And guess what? 
for one of the first times in the Gospels, we're going to learn from the disciples' good example. Now, that may be surprising to most of you because we usually learn from their bad example. You know, Simon, Simon, how long must I bear with you? I mean, they constantly made mistakes. And Jesus did bear with them. But this particular Matthew 21, they actually are a group that we can learn from and evaluate our own lives as we look at their response to the me. Let's take a look at the ye. Take a look at Matthew chapter 21. Go back there with me if you would. Matthew's gospel chapter 21. Take a look at the very first verse. We'll find our first point. Now when they drew near Jerusalem. Number one, the ye, you and I, they were with him. They were with him. This was the goal of Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, you'll see it on the screen. He went up on the mountain. He called to them those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Jesus wanted to be with the disciples. This wasn't like a project that God gave him, and he was like, oh, great, I get these 12 guys for three years. No, this was not his heart. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to be in relationship with him. He wanted to be with them so much so for Matthew to write that they are now with him. This is like the goal of Jesus, that they would understand the power of being with him. They got to do life with him. They got to see him physically, walk on water, feed the 5,000. They got to experience the wonders and the miracles of God. That's why we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 1st and 2nd Peter, because they're writing what they witnessed. And now they understand the message Because they've been with Jesus. They've seen his heart for the leper. They know what he feels about the blind and the lame. And now they're able to write and understand because they get it. They were with him. Church, do you know that we get to do life with him in a spiritual sense? We get to experience spiritually all that we read in the Gospels. We get to experience his wonders if we're with him. We get to experience his provision if we're with him. We get to experience his miracles. I I got to see one even the last couple of days if we're with him. We get to walk with him in trial and he's with us. We get to walk with him in opposition. And you might be asking yourself a question. Wait a second. I haven't seen a miracle in a long time. I haven't seen a wonder of God in a long time. My question to you is, are you with him? Because he's doing them all the time. Are you with him? He's with you. Are you with him? Do you want to be with him like he wants to be with you? Are devotions a chore for you or is it an opportunity for you to be with Jesus? Is your prayer life something that you have to do or is it something that you get to do so you can talk with Jesus? Is fellowship, the body of Christ, something that you don't enjoy or is it something that you can't wait to get to? Let me tell you something. Your pastor loves church. I love coming to church. I love watching you. I love watching you worship. I, I, <laughs> and I don't want you to think I'm like, well, like staring at you. In, I, in the second service, I was watching someone worship over in this section. Not this service, you guys. But someone in this second service. And as soon as I watched her, she went. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not the point. I'm just enjoying you with Jesus. Amen? Because when you're with Jesus. 
Oh, when you're with him, you will experience the world through a different lens. My mother sings a song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is risen. He's in my heart today. I see his hand of mercy. I feel his voice of cheer. And whenever I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. He lives within me today. Church, he's with us. Matthew chapter 21, take a look at verse 6. Let's take a look and learn a lesson from our disciples, the ye. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded him. Number two, if you're taking note, as we learn about the ye, they walked by faith. They walked by faith. This is so important. Imagine hearing this for the first time. You're Peter and John. All right, guys, I want you to leave me, and I want you to go into the next town, You're going to find a donkey, bring the donkey to me, and I will go in on that donkey. Now, if I'm Peter and John, here's what I'm thinking to myself. Uh, Jesus, how in the world do you know a donkey is going to be in the next village? Number one. And number two, what if someone stops us from stealing this donkey? Like, do you realize what you're asking us to do? We're coming into Jerusalem during the crowdest time of the year, and you want us to just walk up to someone and take their donkey from them? Are you crazy? You know what Jesus responds? If someone asks you where you're going, say to them, the Lord has need. See, this guy was a believer that they were getting the donkey from, and Jesus knew it. Anyone surprised by that? The Lord. And let me tell you something. If you're going to walk by faith, that phrase is your priority. Because when he's Lord, that means he's master. That means whatever he asks you to do, you do it. That defines a disciple. That defines our walk of faith. We learn what Jesus says to us, and we live what Jesus says to us. And they walk by faith. Because he's not going to go with them. He's sending them by themselves because he wants them to learn you're going to be on your own. You're going to have to walk by faith. The only thing you're going to have is to depend on my word. And he's using them to set an example for us because we only have his word. His physical presence is not with with us, but his spiritual presence is with us in the same way he sent them. He sent each one of us into the world. He's with us, though we don't see him. You see, this is the way that we walk. It's the journey of our faith walk. Let me explain. You see, he gave them detailed instructions. I want you to go to the village. I want you to go to the donkey. I want you to untie the donkey. Then I want you to bring the donkey to me. And if anyone asks, I want you to say. Let me explain. I want you to take this step of faith. Then I want you to take the next step of faith. Then I want you to take the next step of faith, but we don't like that. We want to see the video of our life so that we never make a mistake when mistake could be part of the journey. And what God does to the disciples is he leads them by his word one step at a time. And the instructions that he gives them are faith to faith. 
And I love that they had to take one step of faith before they got to the next step of faith. And if they never went to the village, they would never see the donkey. And if they never saw the donkey, they would never untie it. And if they never untied it, they would never hear the man say, where are you going? And if they never heard the man saying where they were going, they never would have said, the Lord has need. But God gave them his word. And whenever God gives us his word, take the step of faith. So if God is calling you to Romania to bless 49 young women, just take the step of faith and trust him for what he wants to do with you and through you. I love that he sent Peter and John together because in this journey of faith, we need each other. I can't do this on my own. I need accountability, and I love that he gives them a strategy when faced with a problem. If anyone stops you, there's the problem. Say to them, the Lord. Do you know that God is not afraid of the problems of life? And he so knows that you're going to have problems, he gives you the word of God to help you get through it. Tell him the Lord has need of him. He's given us the word. He knows that you're going to go through problems. There's no problem that you're going to go through that his word won't speak to. And if you don't know where in the word it is, you need to find it out because it's there. Peter said he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that means your problem has an answer in the word of God. Amen? Amen. So the definition of a disciple is someone who walks by faith. Someone who learns what Jesus says for them to do, and then they do it. So we've got to ask ourselves a question. The ye. Do you want to be a believer who just simply gets out of hell? Or do you want to be a disciple that storms the gates of hell? Because that is the journey of faith that each one of us is called to. Number three, the ye. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 9, they shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, I want you to do it. I'm going to count to three. Ready? Here we go. Just Hosanna. One, two, three. Hosanna. Pitiful. (laughs) Because when you go to a Dodgers game, that's what you do. You go, yay. Home run. Did you see that? Wow, that was great. Woohoo. Someone goes, well, you said Dodgers, and I'm an Angels fan. I said, you'll probably be excommunicated from this church. <laughs> no, listen, that's not how you react at the Dodger Stadium. When there's a home run, let's try it again. One, two, three. You actually did better than the first two services. I am really impressed. But you're still not there yet. Now, some of you are waiting for a third chance. You failed. We're not given a third chance. Let me explain what happens. Jesus comes into town, and they are shouting and crying out, Hosanna. Hosanna. Now, I don't know if you know that, how big of a deal this is. You see, the disciples laid their garments on a colt. And those who were behind and those who followed, those who were in front, they start shouting Hosanna. Mark lets us know the disciples start shouting Hosanna. Then all of a sudden, some other people start shouting Hosanna. 
And all of a sudden, they're following the disciples' example, and they're laying these garments down like he's walking on a red carpet. It's almost like it's just caught everyone's attention, and they're shouting, and they're crying, Hosanna, and here he comes riding on a donkey. A donkey. Now, you need to be Jewish to understand this. Because why would they be so excited about a guy on a donkey? It goes all the way back to the book of Numbers. There was a guy by the name of Balaam. And Balaam was going down this alley, and there was an angel of death in front of him. And Balaam didn't see the angel, but his donkey did. So his donkey starts like doing the donkey thing, and Balaam starts beating his donkey. So... His donkey, he's, he's trying to get his donkey to go, and his donkey starts doing this thing again, and he beats him again. The donkey turns around and goes, why are you beating me? If my dog opened up its mouth and talked to me, I would die of a heart attack, not Balaam. Balaam initiates conversation with a donkey. And he goes, because you won't go forward. He goes, I've served you all of these. There's a conversation going on with a donkey. And ever since that story, donkeys in Israel are known as saviors, deliverers. Because Balaam was delivered from death because of a donkey. And when Jesus comes down the road, on a donkey, just like all the kings of Israel who would come on their inauguration day down a donkey because they weren't on a horse, because you couldn't be higher than the people. You were to be a servant king. You were to be a servant deliverer. And so they were on level with the people. They would come lowly riding on a donkey when they saw Jesus from Nazareth on a donkey, the deliverer, the savior, they erupted shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they worshiped so much so. The Bible says that all the city was moved. All the city, they lit their city on fire. Imagine, church. Imagine if we worshiped so hard, shouting Hosanna on Easter, that all of L.A. is moved by Calvary Chapel South Bay. They lit their world on fire. They were unashamed. They were confident. They were shouting out Hosanna, so much so that people in Jerusalem, they looked at the disciples and they said, Who is this? And you know what answer they gave? This is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. They were not silenced. They were not canceled. They were not ashamed. They were courageous and they were bold. And they wanted everyone to know Jesus is the Savior. Now let me tell you something, church. Let me tell you something, church. We live in a world that is so bold and so courageous in the city of Palm Springs they unashamedly are giving transgender peoples stipends for moving to Palm Springs. Now, if they can do that, if they can give money 
to people that are in wonder and where are they at in their life and who they are and their, their identity, this, that, and the other, then we can give Jesus because Jesus is the answer. No money can solve the salvation problem. And church, our heart should be to erupt in praise so that whether you go to work and you shout the hallelujah there, or you go to the grocery store and shout the hallelujah there, or you go to Romania and shout the hallelujah there, everyone around you goes, now who is this? And you get to say, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for the great grace of God. And right now, I'm going to ask that every Christian in this room, you be in prayer. Because there are many believers here that are evaluating the ye. Am I with him? Am I experiencing the wonder? There are many believers that are sitting here and they're evaluating, am I a person that worships? Do I live the Hosanna each and every day? There are believers that are wanting to walk a walk by faith. And today's going to be your opportunity where you get to respond to the me and become the ye. And some of you are sitting here and you never heard of Jesus. And you need to know him as your personal Savior and Lord. Gang, we had close to 30 people in the last two services surrender their lives to Jesus. And I believe that God is calling you today. You're not here by mistake. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing a song. And if you're a believer sitting in your seat and you realize, wait a second, I've not been responding to the me the way the ye should respond. Jesus called his disciples publicly. I want you to come forward. Now, here's what's going to happen. The church is going to erupt in praise and thanksgiving to God. Because when a lost sheep comes home, heaven rejoices. But if also you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you don't know that he died to pay the price of your sin, and that he stayed dead for three days and rose again on the third day. He conquered death. The only weapon the enemy had, he conquered it and he can give you eternal life. Because there's two places we go when we die. One is eternally with God and one is eternally separated from God. And it's not a party down there, trust me. Why gamble your eternity? When Jesus came and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And as your heart is beating out of your chest, it's time for you to get up out of your seat and come forward and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And if you're a believer and today's your day to be a disciple, then you come forward and respond to the me of Jesus Christ by becoming the ye of a disciple. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.